This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 32. I'm P.F. Wilson, content director for Cincy Shirts and our sibling website, OldSchoolShirts.com. Today on our show, FC Cincinnati goalie Evan Newton. We were in Peru one time, a bunch of 16-year-olds in like a, you know, USA versus Peru. We showed up the training one day, and we had two armored vehicles there when we got there that were like armored guards were waiting literally stood around the whole field with a shield and AK-47s and they're standing there like just to make sure nothing crazy happened while we were training, you know? Evan sat down with Josh, Darren, and me to discuss his soccer career, his thoughts on Cincinnati, including our unique local cuisine, and of course his charitable endeavors with Children's Hospital here in Cincinnati and their efforts to fight childhood cancer. Be sure to listen to the promo code at the end of the episode because, as always, you can save 20% on your next Cincy Shirts or OldSchoolShirts.com order when you use that code. Uh, so we started off talking about Elon Musk for some reason, and then that led to the uh, talking about the rescue of the Thai youth soccer team, and that's where we're going to pick up the conversation with Evan Newton. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. In a while, I'm at CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Have you ever had, went, been on like a soccer adventure with uh, the traveling Save team? It. Are we recording? Like the, yes. uh, yeah, we're recording. We're here with Evan Newton, everybody. And the first question: <laughs> Have you ever been trapped in a mine? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, have, has any has any soccer practice ever ended with your coach saying, "Hey, guys"? Let's go on a on let's a little, go spelunking. Yeah, let's go in a cave. Yeah, good practice. And it's gonna rain. It doesn't matter. It's the rainy season. Just keep walking. We're gonna go miles into this cave. Yeah, fortunately, no. Well, that 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 has not happened. <laughs> How the heck does that happen? I know. Man. That was, uh, I don't know. I guess what Thailand. And then like uh, like to get them out, man. Those they had to, like die. The divers had to die for like a couple hours each way yeah it's like crazy. miles it's crazy i'm like and then teach them how to use scuba equipment when they got to the other side and then take them back through yeah that was amazing and like i remember i think like a, a seal guy or something like like died like trying to save them and you're like i remember thinking i mean this how courageous is that right like obviously but you he's a seal he's probably been in like battle after battle after like stuff that we will never even know about, you know. And like he's the ultimate bad A, you know. Oh yeah. And then like yeah, and then that's that situation. Some, trying to save some kids in a cave, you know. It's like <laughs> that shouldn't be that, you know. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But it's it's. I'm glad they all got out okay. I mean, but it's yeah. sad that people lost their lives like trying. Yeah, to Yeah, I wonder what that calls like for that guy. It's like being like an A-list celebrity, and then your your agent says. You want to be in a Wendy's commercial? Yeah. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Wendy's if they're listening. Yeah. <laughs> I know they're friends of the show. <laughs> but anyway, so, so yeah, let's get so to know you, man. So if, uh, right. Yeah. 
how did this all begin? How did you end up here? We we uh, we always try to do our homework, uh, yeah. and uh, you have a you have quite an illustrious career prior to being here in Cincinnati. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, you know, obviously it was you know youth national team stuff growing up, so I was traveling all the time, and um, you know, like playing with some you know, big name guys now that are doing really well for themselves and had a little bit of, I got cut before the World Cup, U-17 World Cup. I got cut like three months before after like two years of of going through everything and then ended up going to college and getting drafted after college to the MLS. Um, did three years in the MLS, two, two years, or one year I got with uh, Houston, I got drafted to Houston and then two years with San Jose with the Earthquakes one of my mentors, John Bush, was like, you need to get out, man, and you need to go play. And he's like, you could like, you could maybe bounce around the league for a couple more years or a few more years, but like, if you don't get lucky and get a break to play or something like that, then it'll kind of just fade out. And I kind of was feeling the same thing. And so... Kenny Walker talked about that, I about, just you know, weighing the... the Weighing the decision of, you know, um, is it better to playing in a lower league versus getting playing time uh, or, or you know, maybe not playing as much on. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Is it's, that a decision you had to weigh for a while or was it a pretty obvious one at some point where you're just like, you'd rather play? Yeah, I mean, I, I was getting to the point where I was getting fresh, really frustrated. I mean, three years. I went out alone for a little bit my first year to Tampa Bay Rowdies um, back when they were in ASO. You know, and, and, and I got a couple games there, but even that was a frustrating time because uh, I wasn't, it was tough to get games because, you know, just of different circumstances. Like I, I wasn't getting paid by them, and they had a guy that um, their starter got injured basically. And then I came in with a guy named, uh, who was their backup at the time named Jeff Atanella, and we were both rookies. And he's, you know, a good goalkeeper, but, like, they were paying him, and MLS was paying me. So, like, and they were and, – and Jeff was kind of going to be their guy for the next year or two, you know. So I got a couple games here and there, but it was kind of it was kind of hard because they're, like, we're trying to mold this guy to, like, kind of be the future. So I ended up, you know, having to just sit a lot of that loan spell, you know. So huh. um, it was kind of a tough one, and – so your MLS contract doesn't state that you have to get so much playing time no, you know, at no, Tampa I mean, Bay, or they, they, they loan you out and it's they just whatever. Yeah, they I mean it was good because I got to train, and even at Houston, like the third goalie didn't really train. Even like we did the goalie, the goalkeeper session, and then we I would do finishing at the end with the players. But if there was like any training, like eleven v eleven or like small set of games, like I would rarely, rarely ever get in those. So at least at Tampa, I was training every day in like that environment. And I did get to play, in, like I said, I got to play in, like, uh, exhibition against Bolton Wanderers back when they were in the Prem and played really well. And uh, and then I got to play two league matches, one against away in Atlanta and then um, away in Montreal, actually, and that was the year before they went MLS. So they had a pretty stacked squad. You know, they were getting really good crowds, I think, like twelve, thirteen thousand. 13,000. So that was kind of a, a good game to play in for, like, a young, you know, younger goalkeeper to kind of, and, and we got a result on the road there. So, but yeah, so, and then I left two years in San Jose. I kind of won this, the backup spot for a little bit, but then um, some things got 
kind of political stuff got in the way again, which is just unfortunate, but I just kept working and working, but I just never really got time. I got, I got maybe, I got some reserve games over the couple of years, you know, but I didn't really get to play at all. And, um, and so John was like, Hey man, you need to go play. You need to show what you can do. And, and, and if you're, if you want to, I try to tell people and I, I've always tried to look at my career as like long-term because I think majority of athletes look at it as the right now, like where's the money right now or where's the best thing for me right this second. And, and sometimes that's not the best thing for you, like in a year's time or, or down the road in the long term. So I've tried to make moves and that I think will help set me up for the long term. That's still yet to be <laughs> seen what happens with that, you know, but um, being here is, uh, is kind of from there. I've traveled to a couple other teams I've bounced around some, which can look like, hey, like I've just been bouncing around. But um, most of the decisions in in the USL since I've left the MLS have been, I mean, I left the MLS was kind of a decision of mine. And then most of the clubs or pretty much all the clubs I left the USL was like a decision for me. Like, you know, I yeah, it wasn't just like, hey, we're you weren't told to leave. Yeah, it was, chose it was leave. more like yeah. career moves and trying to, to make step take steps forward in the career. So. Well, let's go back even further. So, like, where did you grow up and was soccer, like, how did you come to choose soccer? Was it always your first love? Did you play a bunch of sports? I mean, Yeah, I was a big sports. My my, whole, my family, my brother, too. I have a younger brother who's, like, three and a half years younger than me. Both big sports guys. He's actually a really good golfer now. Uh, he played soccer in college for a couple of years and then kind of got screwed over when he tried to transfer to D1. He was a D3 guy good d3 school and was like and was killing it and anyways he's picked up golf and he's just naturally now like a eight handicap golfer in like four years you know like it's crazy so we've just always been naturally i hate people like (laughs) (laughs) so so it's it's like we we just naturally like we were we all we played baseball basketball soccer um like in leagues and then once travel soccer started i just decided because you know baseball soccer is the same seasons and then basketball. Um, Which is hilarious because it didn't used to be, you know? Yeah, Baseball yeah. was a spring sport and soccer yeah, was a fall yeah, yeah. sport. But yeah. the traveling, I mean, for both of, the, of those sports, just the, the travel, like if you really want to compete and get the scholarships, or you know, it's year. they're both year-round now. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I think I'm more, I was probably naturally better at baseball like just natural like I was actually I was a pretty good baseball player when I was younger and I enjoyed it but I just didn't love it soccer was like my love you know and and I was a decent basketball player I was probably the opposite of most white boys like I had I could dribble really well and stuff but I wasn't a great shooter (laughs) yeah we kind of we kind of did everything man like we we had a hockey goal in our garage we like, you know, where was this? Roller in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Virginia Beach. Where I grew up. And so we had like hockey goals with sticks and everything. We had football helmets and footballs. We would play with our friends and stuff. We had a basketball hoop in our, in our driveway. We had like a kind of a half size soccer goal in our side yard. Beach volleyball or anything like that? Growing up in Virginia Beach? Uh, we played some volley- like beach volleyball a little bit, not, you know, when we were at the beach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I did, I played it intramural volleyball one one year in college like we, we we put together two soccer teams and we did it it was fun yeah just like top gun yeah right yeah top gun. yeah jeans. jeans on <laughs> yeah man it was um just just to love all sports really and i have respect for for most all sports so yeah but once travel soccer started 
I had to kind of choose and soccer was my love and I stuck with that. And then once ODP started uh, a year or two after travel started, I chose to stick with goalkeeping full time. So I used to, I used to play on the field too. Yeah. I used to play, I was a center midfielder, but I only had about 10, 15 good minutes in me at a time before I did, so, <laughs> You were uh, gassed. I wasn't a big runner, so, but yeah. Man. So... Old Dominion is that, was that a, a location choice? Was that a geographical choice for you? There's a few things into it. Um, when I was coming out of the residency program with the national team, my final three was ODU, Clemson, and Virginia Tech. Um, I had some talks from like you know I talked with Duke actually talked to me early on, and then once they talked to my principal, um, I never heard from him again. <laughs> and then uh, I, you know I chatted a little bit with a couple other schools, Wake, UNC things like that but they weren't like super in-depth chats and then maryland actually was uh, a strong choice and for about five six months after my like a, my a junior year um, but odu ended up out of the back three it was closer to home so i could move back to see my family because i was so far from my family you know in high school when i moved away i was fortunate to get a full ride which in soccer is pretty hard um, you only get 9.9 scholarships to split throughout the whole team, you know, in soccer. So they they don't give out a lot of full scholarships, you know. So I was able to do that, which was cool. And then I knew I was going to play from day one, which was a huge thing. Yeah. ODU is always a top 20 program. Yeah. Uh, I knew I was going to be on the national scene. I knew I was going to play in the NCAAs. And I knew I was going to play from day one and get games. And that's the big thing as a, as a goalkeeper is, is playing games, you know. So it's amazing to me that it's even a sport as big as soccer and baseball is the other one that, you know, it seems like outside of basketball and football, you don't really realize who the powerhouses are because they're generally not, you know, the Alabamas and the, well, they don't Dukes have, and, those are like usually women's programs. They don't really have a lot of the, the big football schools don't have men's soccer, you know, not all of them, but like Florida doesn't. Uh, Alabama doesn't. They don't uh, have a team. Uh, not at all. Like, no, they don't have. Or they're just not good. They don't have men's soccer. No, that's insane. Wow, jeez. Uh, my buddy and I. I'm a lot older than you. Uh, my buddy back in the '80s, he went to a school in North Carolina. I can't remember the name it was. They were Division three for everything, but they were Division one for soccer. Winthrop, maybe or Winthrop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. We yeah. My, I don't know if they've changed that since then, but yeah, he got a scholarship to oh, go wow, there. Yeah. And then my, my freshman year, we actually played them <laughs> in the first. Okay, we played them in yeah. the first round of the NCAA tournament. And we actually won in PKs. Yeah, but like (laughs) hockey is always like, you know, Miami of Ohio and North Dakota. (laughs) And then, you know, baseball, you've got your Cal State Fullertons and your Rice, you know. And it's just funny for big sports like that, that a lot of times you'd be surprised to hear the the schools like Old Dominion that are like perennial contenders. Yeah. But a lot of, a lot of, a lot of soccer is, is like the kind of the mid major schools, you know? That's going to change. Which is crazy. <laughs> but yeah, the big schools don't because of like Title Nine. They don't have, you know what I mean? Like Title Nine, you have to have yeah a certain amount of women's scholarships. So tell us about the youth uh, national team. I'm guessing that what ages uh, were you on that? I'm guessing that's before college, right? Or is, yeah, so that was before college. You yeah, seventeen? Yeah, yeah. So that started. I think the first year you could really make it was like you. 14 or 15 or something. And the whole residency program was basically you 16 and you 17 years. So I was, you know, you're 15 when you moved down there. 
Um, where is it, Jacksonville? It was it was in Bradenton, Florida, which is actually where we went to preseason. Oh, at like IMG? IMG Academy. Yeah. So yeah, that was. I mean, which that thing's changed so much. Like that is when crazy. I, from when I lived down there, but actually, Kenny Walker was was in residency with me. For a, he was there for a semester, the first semester, and then they ended up. You know, they have like they have cuts every like semester, like school semester. But Kenny was on the national team with me. Um, trying to think of maybe any other guys that have been through here that. That you guys would know. Uh, What's that process man. like for getting into it? Do they find you? Is it something you audition for? So nowadays, it's more like through the clubs and like the the whole developmental academies they have now, and they have so many. They have scouts and all this at these like big showcases. When we were growing up, it was through OD, what they call ODP, which is Olympic Development Program. So that's it's like an individual tryout. So you try out for like, like every every state has a certain amount of districts in it just depending on how big the state is. But Virginia, we had four districts. We had the southeast, the central, and the northern, and the western. So I'm from basically the tip of southeast Virginia, right, like on the yeah. beach. Um, so, you know, Hampton Roads basically in that um, that whole area, the peninsula of Virginia is all in a district. So you try out for your year that you were born. So I'm in 1988, and that's how they ran it by. Yeah, so you, if you make your district team – you train with them and have practices for a couple months, and then there's a there's a trial for the state team. So all the people that make the four districts trial for the state team. If and that's a, if you'd make that, then you'll maybe go to a tournament or two and play different states, and then you have practices on the weekend. So literally, we're like carpooling. Like all the all the kids that like made it from the southeast, like a couple of the parents would carpool. So like these parents would take them this time, and these parents. And where do you have to? How far do you have to go? We have like to, Charlotte too. Yeah, we would have to travel from like Virginia Beach to like Charlottesville, which is where UVA is, because like our coach at the time was up at like near UVA. So it kind of depends on who your coach is too and where you're where you're training. But like we'd be going three and a half hours for literally like a practice, and then we'd drive back. That's nuts! Wow, and it's crazy. So our parents were like obviously huge in it. But yeah, so you you train, you have practices over a few months period, and then you have a regional a regional tryout, which was a week long. I was region one. So Virginia up to Maine, kind of along that East coast, those 15 States is region one. Then you have like the Midwest, which and is it was the state team from each of the States. So all the people that made each state from Virginia up to Maine, like went to a tryout for like a week long. And we, it was at, we used to be at Binghamton university and they, yeah. we, we have the dorms and bears and fields. <laughs> and, um, and then the coaches and you just, you just train. So usually it was kind of, they either split you up into teams and you like train with that team and play games with them. Um, sometimes they would do it where you would just be with your train a few days with your state team and play games. And then like, they ended up splitting you up later in the week. But by the end of the week, they, the last few days they'd have like fields, like field one, two, three, and based on what they thought you were and you could move up or down throughout the week. And then basically they pick the best players from the region so then Region 2 was, like, the Midwest, which would have been, like, what, yeah. Ohio. Then Region 3 was basically North Carolina down to Florida, th- across to Texas. And then Region 4 was all the West, West Coast. Yeah. So then after you get your region teams, usually you'd have a couple camps where, like, they'd get you together and you'd go train or p- and play games. Like, some we went, you know, you different countries, went to Costa Rica, like, stuff like that, play games. And then, uh, yeah. And how and then, often and then, is and then that a national team tryout? Is that like a couple times a, a year? Or so a, every, year, like every, weekend, year or? every year it would restart. So like you would have to, if you made like 
national team, regional team, you could usually skip, you know, like not skip, you'd still have to train, but you would automatically kind of make the, the district team and, you know, usually the state team if, but yeah, every year is a new year. But then after, so that, that's like kind of, that was like the first year you go through the whole process, right? And yeah. then every year, like keep having the process again by like the U15 year after kind of after like really the second full year of the process was when the, you know, the residency program would start. So then they would say at the end of it, they picked, you know, 40 players to, and like, Hey, to move, you got to move to Florida. Congratulations. If you want, this is an opportunity. And so, and what percentage of those, of those kids that get to that level are saying like, I have a real shot at, at being a professional in this sport. I is think it, by that time you're, you're, you feel pretty, I mean, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure, man. Like, I mean, there's a lot of, there's high standards and they really, and then at the same time, like you literally, we trained five days a week and had a game on the weekend. So we literally got like one day off usually every now and again, we'd get two days off. We were, we were weightlifting twice a week. We were going to mental conditioning once a week, which is like a sports. At 15? Yeah, like a sports psychologist. We'd go do, like with the team and we'd do like mental conditioning. Actually, Like one of the ones I always like to use, which is interesting, was we'd have like a, we didn't, we'd do this every now and again, but it was like, how do you like to, to focus under pressure and like loud noise, which is like when you're in, you know, these other, yeah. country, these other environments. Like I remember we were in Peru one time playing against Peru in Peru, a bunch of 16 year olds in like an you know, USA versus Peru. And there's like 15, 16,000 people there, you know? And it's like, what is going yeah. on? Yeah. It's like when Toronto we, came in. We, 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 we showed up to, we showed up to training one day and there's, we were in this like little town and we went to train and the state, the little area stadium was like full. And we had two armored vehicles there when we got there that were like armored guards were waiting and literally stood around the whole field with a shield and AK 47s. And they're standing there like just to, to make sure nothing crazy happened while we were training, you know, like, and we we're like a wow. bunch of 16 year old Americans, like, just like, what is going on? Now at that time, how many people would be at, at one of your games here? What kind of a crowd would you, draw? uh, I mean, we, our games were typically like, I mean, we were just playing like older, t- older, like club teams from around the Tampa area. And every now and again, we'd, you know, we'd play like a college, we'd play college teams, we'd play. So those are just exhibitions. So you wouldn't, you know, if we had games that were kind of marketed like around, they, you know, yeah. you'd, you'd, if they're marketed around, you'd get a decent showing, but not 15, not That's even close crazy. to that, you know? So, but anyway, so what I was going to say was this, this one th- that I always use as an example of like kind of similar stuff we would do. We do a lot of like team building exercises. If, if it, like I would t- you could go talk to them individually, like if you needed help, like sports psychiatrist, you know, sports mentality wise or yeah. whatever. But the one we would do is you'd have a partner and you'd have like a piece of paper and it'd just have one through a hundred, like one through 99 basically on the paper, just scattered like numbers scattered all over and in no order. And the first round would be your, just your, you'd have one minute and he'd say, okay, start at this number and work up, go. So you say, start at 47 and go up, go. And you find 47, 48, 49, and circle them as fast as you can while someone's just staring at you, right? And then the other guy would do it. And then you get another piece of paper, which has <laughs> the numbers are different. You'd be like, all right, start at 62 and work down. But the second level was the guys there making, like, only can make noise. So 
he's just like clapping your ear, whatever, you know, shooting off a gun. Yeah. So now, so now, so now you're trying to work that. Then he would go. Then the third round, get a new piece of paper and do it again, whatever number. But this one is like free for all, except you can't. I mean, he can't touch you, but like he can like yell, he can talk to you, he get can right like clap, he can like make noise, he can get right in your face, like just whatever you can to distract the crap out of you while you're trying to like focus in and like find these scattered numbers, you know? It's like just stuff like that. <laughs> and then you try to see who can do it faster. Well, you're kind of trying, to, you know, you're just kind of trying to see, okay, how many numbers did you find? And you're kind of competing against the other guys that were going at the time too. And just, a, I mean, it's just a fun way to continue to like build your your focus you know well it's funny because we talked about this kind of indirectly when you came to our store on saturday Mm -hmm. uh behind where you were sitting we have a giant wall image of the folks from the bailey right going crazy with the smoke and the flags and the you know body paint and all that and i i said this is probably a typical view for you (laughs) as the goalie to turn around and see this and you said i don't even i don't even notice it anymore but it's kind of funny that it's, it feels like what when you told me that it kind of was rooted in something that you've been prepping for for 15 years yeah to and not pay attention to that stuff right i think the more obviously the more you're in it the less you start paying attention to it right so um, if i played if i played at nipper in front of our crowds now um, even the beginning of my career, I, I still remember like we were talking about earlier that game in Montreal when I was on loan to Tampa and there was like 12, 13,000 people. My first year pro, I'm coming out of a college where, you know, we're getting maybe a thousand people a game. Um, and then now you're throwing me into a professional game in front of 13,000, you know, not, you know, maybe six months after I graduated college. Right. Yeah. yeah. And even I still remember playing, but anyways, like that Montreal game for me was like, I remember being like super nervous and I was like, wow, you know, and this is crazy, you know, and then, but it, it, you put me in in Nipper, you know, like at that time, I would probably have been like, this is awesome, but holy crap at the same time. Yeah. But it's just, you know, I mean, even Maryland in college, right? Like our school would get around, you know, around 800 to a thousand a game, big nights we'd get, you know, 1500, 2000, a couple, a few, a few games a year. Um, but you know, then you go to Maryland who gets, who would get three to 5,000 a night. And I remember going there and it was like crazy, you know? Uh, so it's just like, like, it's just perspective, right? And the more you're in it, the, the easier it is to deal with. So I think being in Sacramento the last couple of years, 12,000 every night, a lot of expectation, a lot of, a lot of pressure and very similar to here. And, and, and Sacramento was the front runner for MLS. So I was kind of in this environment for the last couple of years in terms of pressure-wise and MLS and um, just not quite as many fans, but still enough fans that yeah. it's, it's busy. At what point does it go from like, you know, like how many fans is it where you're just, at that point on, it's the same? You know, it's funny. You know, I was is ta- it 12 I was talking, to I was talking, 50 or, you I was, know? I forget what I was talking to about this. I was talking to somebody about this um, like a few months ago, I remember thinking, because I was like, I think once you kind of get over that, like, 15, once you get to, like, that, you know, say, say like, Sacramento, like, a, you know, they're getting 12,000. I mean, it's definitely, like, Nippert is definitely a lot more and bigger, but. It doesn't sound that different. It's like, it's like. In the when, once, Yeah, it's, it's kind of like. It just say, sounds say like 50, a stadium full 50, of people. Say 15, yeah. 20, like, once you're there, it's like, 
you know, I, I think maybe when you get to like a, a 50, like would be, you know, from, from 20 to 50, I don't think it's probably that much different. Cause I think, I forget how I was talking, I was talking to somebody about Atlanta. Cause I'm like, Atlanta's getting, you know, we're getting 25, 27. You know, I don't think you're going to really like 40 is going to feel that much different. And they're like, you know, they're like, yeah, I don't, you know, 40, 50 is not that, <laughs> just that much. But then, but, but then when you get to Atlanta, who, when they open it up, you know, Seattle gets 70. Uh, that's, yeah, you know, that's another world. That's bonkers, man. You know, 60, 70, like, I think that's another world. But I don't think, you know, you're going to really notice the difference in 20 to 40,000. I don't think it's like that crazy of a difference, you know, but when you say like 60, 70, now you're, that's a whole, I mean, I remember going to Seattle, I was on the bench for the quakes and going to Seattle. And I mean, there's like 45, 50, but it was nuts, you know? And just, Non-stop, it was like, a, it was a def, right? it was like deafening noise, you know, when, when everyone went crazy, whether it was a goal or, or when the walkouts were coming, you know, um, that noise is deafening. You know, our noise when we score for about five, 10 seconds is pretty darn good. But yeah, that's like deafening, deafening noise. You know, like <laughs> you're not hearing yourself think. So, as a goalkeeper, you know, we've had a couple big games with penalty kicks. Is that something that, as a goalie, like you're, you get excited about when it gets to that? Yeah, or is that when it's, or when it comes you. down to where it's you versus the other guy? I mean, are you are you a pressure on kind of guy? Yeah, I love it, man. To be honest, like I look at it as like it's a, just an opportunity to be a hero, you know. Totally. And I mean, as the goalkeeper, you're the hero, the goat. Really, um, I always say that, and uh, you're gonna be the goat at times. It's just how life is. But like, if you can, if you can be the hero more than the goat, like you're doing something right as a goalkeeper. <laughs> so, but but. That with that being said, yeah, I, I think I've always looked at penalty kicks as I like all all you can do. I say I said this to Jack before the first game at Charleston, and he like loves it now, and and he always says it to me before you know before I'm playing. But he but um, I, I said he's like just go have fun, go because you know it's the first game of the season. MLS was like so so close, and like everyone was so uptight about it here, and like things were you know at the beginning of the season it was like pressure, pressure, you know. Yeah, and. Um, we're warming up and he goes and and i'm about to go in in charleston and i'm just like look man like we're just having fun dude i was like all you can do is succeed and he's like dude i love that man you know <laughs> and so we say it every all i do is win so we say is because it's like if that's you know that's just the mentality like and i think in a pk shootout for me it's always been like hey man like all you can do here is succeed like go ha- go have fun and like and make something great of this you know well, when you're a kid you know and you're out there like you know, creating those scenarios in your head. You know, if you're the basketball kid, it's the last second shot to, you know, win the NBA championship. And baseball, you're hitting a walk-off home run, you know. And, you know, football, you're throwing the winning touchdown pass for the Super Bowl. Like, as a as a young goalie, are you, like, this is penalty kicks. And yeah, all. it's like that, that winning save. And, and I've been very – I've been very fortunate to – to have two moments in, so far in my professional career and in the playoffs um, where I've been able to to win, you know, a PK shootouts. And, and, you know, it just it just happens right when it falls on, you know, it's, it's a perfect scenario. You're, you just want to win, right? First of all, like, I don't care if it's, if it's my save that wins it or if someone or one of our guys 
shots wins it. You know, I just want to win the PK shootout. But I, it's been cool to have two moments so far in my career. And I had one or two in college. And the Winthrop game is the same. Like I made the save. It was like extra kicks and I saved it. And then we ended up, we won off the save. And that was a cool moment. But yeah, my, uh, when I played in 2015 in Oklahoma, me and Koenig played there. Uh, the, the semifinals of the Western Conference. Um, we went to penalties and, and this, my save ended up winning it. It just fell on the save, which was cool. And it was yeah. at home in front of like 8,000 people. And like, it was That's like so awesome. awesome. It was an awesome moment. Nice. And then, um, last year in, in, in Sacramento, um, we, we took out, uh, Monarchs who won the, the, the regular season title for the league. We went there and, and took them to PKs and, uh, I was, you know, my save, all our guys like cr- crushed their, penalty kicks and put him right in the corner the, their goalie didn't save one but it just so happened you know the years locked it I up. was able to they their guy missed one I saved one and then I saved the third one was the one that won it and like we we celebrated and it, it's a fun it's a cool it's a cool moment you know and and so but I've also my first PK shootout I ever lost in in my life really that I can think of was uh my first year in Sacramento at home 12,000 people it's packed Ooh. And I was like, I remember going to that, like, yes, like, like, cause I, I'm, I just, I usually have such a good, big confidence going yeah. into them. I'm like, yeah. this is going to be fun. Like, just go have fun. And like, <laughs> if you can win this, it's going to be crazy. And then I ended up like, it was, it kind of capped off like a not so good year for me. It was just a, it was a tough year. Um, all, a lot of different things happening, but, um, I learned a lot from that, and I and I remember taking that fuel with me into the off season and how how much work I put in. Like I don't want to feel like that again. I felt embarrassed. Like I, I didn't make one save for us, and at home, and and I kind of missed an opportunity to, to succeed there. You know. But how much? And I say this with all due respect. How much of in that situation can you prepare for? How yeah, much of it is guessing? Because Jimmy you know, and Kenny both talked about it from the. The guys taking the kicks perspective because well sometimes you, you pick a side and you know before you, just you kick hope it that that's a side you decide or, before yeah. the kick that I think he's gonna go I think he's gonna go left I think he's gonna go right do you at that last second when you see his foot do you, do you guess that or is it just something just intuitive in you for me it's um like it's it's without giving instinct. away too many secrets right we don't want yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want anybody looking at it. I think six thousand listeners you never know who's right there's there's a lot of there's a lot that can go into it nowadays with like technology and, and video like you can literally get the Crazy last numbers. the last five years of someone's penalty kicks you know and 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 we do that here um I, I know like in terms of like between the goalies at our our club I know Spinny likes to look at that stuff I prefer not to like I like to go out there. I told Jack this because uh, we used to get the, the the papers before every game. You know, this is where this last couple guys have gone and here in the shows. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to look at that. I just want to go in and 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 go off of instinct because you can. And those players also know that information. Well, they know, they know that as well. And 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 these guys are good. They can change at any time. Yeah. So I'd rather just go off of the moment, the instinct. You know, and and kind of read my cues that I look at at the time and then I, I, I don't know for me I just get like a kind of I read my cues and I just kind of get an instinctual feeling and then I just go off of that and it's kind of I like to say it's a it's a slightly educated guess you know yeah <laughs> it's not just a guess it's an educated one but um, it's also a lot of just gut feeling in there too um, based on based on everything so but other goalies like to look at that and like really 
like okay play the numbers play the numbers yeah. and and um I've, I've i've always just kind of been a let's go off of the, the moment and again not to go away too many secrets do everything like psych them out like maybe jump a little bit move forward a little bit or something just to kind of jar them yeah, I think I think sometimes like the Jersey Dudek of you know, remember back Liverpool, AC Milan, and Jersey Dudek kept doing like those sways, yeah. um, and, and 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 was able. Yeah, I, sometimes you know I think if you, the more you can kind of distract the kicker um, from hitting a perfect penalty, right? The more the more you can do, I think the better. So sometimes just throwing little movements or you know maybe I don't know just different things like that just to get them off track, you know or. One one year, I actually did the year that we won at Oklahoma, um, and this isn't really a secret. It's it's just funny, but um, my coach is Jimmy Nielsen in Oklahoma, who obviously was a big time MLS goalkeeper for, yeah. for Sporting Kansas City, and he gave he just handed me a piece of paper. He said, "Evan, take this piece of paper and just take it out of your sock like every kick and like <laughs> let them see it." So, and literally, like you had notes, <laughs> yeah, and literally all the paper had on it was like our kickers like the order of our kickers <laughs> <laughs> so like I, would, I I just put it beside the post and then before while every person came up I just kind of looked at it and it's not really my style but That's I just kind of so did it funny. Yeah. I just kind of looked at it and like looked at them <laughs> and then like I just went in the goal you know and then I just did what I did you know but it's just this, a little <laughs> mental I know, I know he did that one year that they won uh, uh, I don't know if they won the final on penalties or they won like a big playoff game, but he like literally had it in his sock and would like take it out. And I know, he, and he did that a couple years prior. So you have one of those Tony was, Romo arm things. With so that, how, yeah. how did that work out with with that those penalty kicks in that particular game? You did. Well, that was the one that I, we ended up winning at home. Oh, okay, like on on say, but like again, I. There was nothing yeah. on the paper except yeah, yeah. for like, our kickers in order. <laughs> I love that. You know, That's it, great. it just it just was like a psych out thing, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if it worked or not because I don't know where those guys typically went. Um, <laughs> but yeah, That's how mad does it make you when they uh, run up to the ball and then just tap it? <laughs> and you're like, you know, you're spread out. You guessed left or whatever, and. Then yeah, the ball it, just rolls it, in on the other side. Don't you just want to like it, punch him in the face? <laughs> yeah, it was a little, it's a little deflating sometimes, you know, when you're just diving the wrong way. Um, especially like like you said, because it's a moment where you could really like succeed and like do something cool. Yeah. And especially if you're right, because by that time the the vibe in the whole place is like you're on edge because you know like something's going to be decided here. Yeah, and even if it's just a P- PK during a game, like. You know, say it was like middle of the game, you know, and it's and you're winning one nothing, and it's like, okay, if I say this, we're, we're, it keeps us ahead, you know, or or it's a tie, it's zero zero or something, and it keeps you from going them going ahead. Whatever it is, if you're at home at Nipper in front of twenty seven thousand and you save a penalty, you know they're gonna go crazy, you know, and it's gonna be a cool moment, and like, and you're helping your team, right? So, all three of those are great things. And then when you just dive the wrong way and they go the other way, so simply, you're like, man, I missed a moment to like, I missed a cool moment, you know? Yeah. <laughs> How crazy is it during the game when there's all kinds of traffic in front of the goal and you got like, this guy could be knocking it in with his head or it could get kicked back out just a little bit to the top of the box and then back in. What what are you looking for there? You're just trying to keep your eye on the ball no matter what. Yeah. Goalkeeping can be chaotic sometimes. It's so fun to watch though. I yeah, love, yeah. you know, like on a corner... You know, you've got everybody in place, and then you can always – you always just pick up the keeper, like, because, you know, obviously you're the one who's allowed to 
jump up and punch it or grab it with your hands or whatever. But I, I've always just loved watching like the aggressive keepers that just like will break through a wall or go up over a wall or like whatever it takes. Like it's right. so fun. Yeah, it's um, it's an it's you got to be a little different, I think, to be a, a goalkeeper. And I think most of the guys on our team would back this because I've heard quite a few of them talking about it. But I think our our group of goalkeepers this year in in Cincinnati, um, the three the three of us are more of the normal goalkeepers like that I've been around, and and I think some of our guys have. I mean, I'm weird, but I don't, there's a lot of super weird goalkeepers out <laughs> yeah. there. But yeah, it's um. It's a, it's a chaotic position, and I think that's one thing that Jack does well in his training is he, he trains us. He puts us in chaos. You referenced Jack, like, a couple times. Is that the, like, goal, goalkeeper coach? That's our goalkeeper coach, coach yeah. Okay. yeah. Jack Stern is our goalkeeper coach. So he does a good job of putting us in chaotic situations in training and kind of um, doing a good job of, of simulating game-like situations. And so when you kind of get in the game, things – um, or can slow down a bit more, you know. I think just just like we talked about with 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 crowds, right? You can you can kind of block the noise out the more you do it. Same thing, right? And if if you're if you're putting these situations day in and day out of training, then when it comes to the game, it's it's slower. That's what you want, right? Yeah. So you don't want to not be training it, and then when you get in the game, it's like faster. <laughs> That's probably yeah, not yeah. a good thing. So, um. Yeah, Jack's done a great job in that aspect, um, and um, but it, it can be very chaotic. And it's just, and, and as a goalkeeper, you want to play instinctually. I think, and I think in general, you want to play instinctually, not just goalkeeping. But the more you're thinking on the field, uh, the worse it's going to be because you just want to be doing things spur of the moment instinctually without thinking of it. You know. Now, what about now? You're talking about the chaos. What about when you know we have the ball at the other end and the whole game is played? you know, away from you, basically, because, I mean, let's face it, we've been uh, kicking a lot of butt this year, and, yeah. you know, there, there hasn't been a ton of uh, action on on the yeah. uh, uh, the defensive end. But um, is, is that hard, too? Like, when, you know, it's all away from you, you know, any second it could potentially could come down your way, but I don't know, are you yeah. catch yourself, like, daydreaming? Or, I mean, I just think about Kenny Walker's goal uh, this year, you know, the – the half court oh, yeah. shot or whatever. The sports center goal <laughs> yeah, from like, like midfield. Like yeah, at any second they're gonna be like, oh, he's sleeping. Boom. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I think that's the hardest as a goalkeeper. It's the hardest to play in games like that. Um, again, I. It's funny how my career's gone, um, where like it's just been gradual steps, you know. Um, but for yeah, but. Sacramento really prepared me for that because we had a really good team in Sacramento. Um, you wouldn't get 10 shots on your game or eight shots or every now and again, just like here, like every now and again, uh, how to pull out saves and, and you have, have some big games. But then there's been games where it's been one save or two saves, but they weren't that they're kind of routine. I think the hardest thing to do as a keeper is to stay mentally involved and and if you and in, in, in the game, and then in the 89th minute or the 75th minute, when you haven't done any, a whole lot for the whole time, and then you have to come up with a big save to to keep your team in the game, whether it's to win the game or keep it tied or whatever it is, and that's the hardest part as a goalkeeper. I think if you get a couple saves early on in the game, you're kind of in the rhythm, you're in the game. That's that's almost easier than having one big save late in the game. You know, so it's a good question because. Um, it's something that I struggle with part. One of the, the things I was talking about the first year in Sacramento, like I, 
I, I, I struggled with that a little bit and I was, I was really, there's a learning process for me on top of quite a few other things, but, um, it's something that, you know, I was ready for coming in here. Um, and, and then I'd been through, so it's been, it's, 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 it's been a, a cool gradual incline for me. Like it's just been very interesting how my career has gone like that, like step by step. And, um, which for me is the perfect way for it to go. I, I was, I'm never a guy like, if you throw me in something like crazy, like sometimes I, I could get overwhelmed. I have, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy where it's like keep learning gradually. And, um, so it's been fun that way. So let's talk about your off the field endeavors or passions. Your, uh, oh, yeah. your child was just in here. My long married man. <laughs> married yeah. man. Um, you're obviously, you know, this, uh, this conversation, you know, the genesis of it sort of started with you reaching out to us and your desire to help out, you know, for childhood cancer awareness month and Cincinnati children's hospital. So, um, I know you have the, the, uh, Newton, uh, soccer academy. Is that still a thing? Um, that was a thing a little bit back home and I used to, in the off seasons, I just I, I I need to delete those things, but it's not it's not anymore. <laughs> you mean update that's, your that's wiki good, page? That's you good mean? research. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was I, I I used to do goalkeeper camps every every off season when I go home uh, to Virginia Beach. Um, but I saw on there that you had done charity work within the academy. Is this some, yeah? Is is this something that? Um, your desire to kind of work with kids and help kids in different ways, did that become, uh, you know, did you get in more into that as you became a parent? Is that something you've always been into? No, I think that's something I've always enjoyed. I think the older I get and, and the, and the more I'm kind of realizing like, you know, soccer's fun. Soccer. I like to say soccer was my identity for the majority of my life. And a couple of years ago, I'm a, I'm a faith-based guy. So like I was a couple of years ago, um, I was just getting, rocked and like just learning so much about myself and god was kind of taking me on a quite a journey but it was a great journey but like i really learned like my identity was not soccer which is which which sounds so simple but like it literally controlled everything i did i was gonna say for so long for so long it was since high school it controlled everything like every most every decision i made like i was always doing it and so you put a lot of your like worth into soccer and so if soccer was going well, like I was happy and things were good. If soccer was going bad, I was not happy and like I wasn't really great to be around. And so like like I said, like two years ago, my first year in Sacramento, that was another part of like everything I was going through that year. Like I was just getting rocked and and it was great. It was great in a bad way at the time. It sucked going through it. But yeah, man, um, I started doing stuff in Sacramento at the hospital, the children's hospital there because like, our big sponsor there was... UC Davis Children's. That was our jersey sponsor. And the year before in Oklahoma, we did this program um, with kids with disabilities. And we each had a kid. We're assigned. And we had like three or four different um, events. And and then we would go and, and with our kid and stuff like that. And I ended up getting to know my my kid more. And like their family would go to dinner on my own with them. And like, like kind of like sewed into them a little bit more. And still have a relationship with them. But that kind of like started, I've always knew I wanted to do that stuff, but that started kind of inspiring me to do more. So then when I went to Sacramento, I was like, let's do more. So I got, once I signed with Sacramento, I was like, how can I get involved in the hospital? I started literally weekly, every week I'd go visit 
you know, at, at the hospital, like at the end, the kids. And then it's kind of just, I would go to different fundraisers and do different things there. Um, and then here I just kind of did the same thing. I was like, I want to get involved. So I've, I've been going to, you know, doing visits, not just to the team, but on my own is at the, at the children's hospital, but also to the, there's a psych, a children's psych hospital on in college Hill. So I've been going to that one recently as well and just doing stuff like that. And, and so this shirt, obviously with childhood cancer awareness month, um, and, you know, reaching out to you guys, um, about that Casey, I, honestly kind of had the idea uh, she works in your loveland store casey cook and yeah. and, and she kind of had a, a, a little bit of the idea and then i was like and she because she knows what i how the stuff i do within the, the hospital and stuff and she's like this could be cool and i was like that's a great idea so we kind of you know i reached out and we ran with it and it's, it's been going well so i appreciate it's, it's awesome you guys are jumped on board too and i i appreciate that but yeah it's, it's been kind of i mean I, I i i used to do stuff when i was younger too like i would just help out when I could I, I used I remember my mom reminded me of this I forgot I used to do this but uh, I used to go on like field trips with the kind of special needs special yeah. needs kids I would go on the field trips with them and kind of like just be like a helper when I was in like you know fifth grade fourth grade you know and like stuff like that and so it's always been kind of in my heart and I just started taking steps slowly like a couple years later but I, I think to to finish is like I, I kind of started after I went to the identity thing I realize soccer is not my worth, you know, and it's just fun. It's just a game. I love it. I'm very passionate about it, but it's not my purpose. And I think uh, my purpose is ultimately bigger and like to use the platform of soccer to like do, to do good. You know, I think yeah. that's, I think that's the key not to sound corny. I mean, I, I mean, but I, it just really, that's where I get like true, like happiness from. I get happiness from winning too. And like all that, but uh, and I want to play and I'm competitive. But uh, I think that's what it's all about is, like, helping out and, and, and impacting people's lives. So many years from now when your playing days are over, do you see yourself in that kind of, you know, some type of philanthropy role of, like, running an organization? or, or I don't know. I, I really love psychology. So I've actually, it's funny, God willing, I still have many years left to play. I'm not, like, even close to thinking about hanging the boots up at this point, but... Um, the boots. I always I've, love. I've, I've been. I've, I've. I've just been trying to like take steps recently. I've like. Okay. I don't want to be retired and then have to go back to school or do something or what you know. Yeah. And now, it's three four years before I can really get into my next thing. Yeah. I've kind of been thinking about growing something within the next the within the next couple of years. What do I need to do to get to to be what, kind of what I want to do? And I think psychology is something I'm very interested in. You know. And, and marketing and stuff like that is as well and, and you never know who you meet along this journey and like what comes up in terms of a job but you know if i need to go back to school for a couple of years like maybe getting that started here fairly soon so that when i'm done i can maybe have something so i, w- I would like to do something in psychology whether it's sports psychology or working with kids and like psychi- like psychology type stuff yeah this company got you know it's it's roots are in that same kind of mentality you know for me as a comedian it was a, yeah. you know I, I said I don't want to stop doing comedy anytime soon but I know I will one day and I don't right. want to wait until that day to figure out what's next so right we we started this in the hopes that at some point it would be Cool. Something I could transition to, and you know, Darren yeah, pours his heart into cash. it every day. Right. And 
but it's the same mentality. It's the the foresight is very important. So it's good that it's good uh, that you have that. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's just again, I think with my career and you know, I, I try to look long term, and, and it's hard to do that sometimes. <laughs> but sometimes um, the short term it, it looks good, but it's not always the best. And so I'm trying to, you know, what long term like let's start setting up a little bit for that long term. Yeah. Like what's the best decisions for careers and. And then, you know, see how they play out. But well, uh, you can't then, control everything at the same time, too, right? Like, yes. Like, life throws things at you or, or, or opportunities come about or whatever happens. But, you know, as much as you can be prepared, try to, I think. But I think your attitude of soccer and life in general will you'll, – you'll be grateful that you have that when, you know, you're in such a transitional lifestyle of, you know – what's next you know yeah. if you have the attitude of like just happy to be here uh, it makes it tr- what's, and it's different now easier. too it's, it's different now too i mean i have a family now as, as we talked about right like recently married have a stepdaughter and, and now it's like a family to which which puts a little more pressure you know in terms of the, you know before i could just okay let's move to wherever i need to go like best yeah. for my career whatever whatever um now it's and now you got this anchor. <laughs> now, now, now it's hey man, like well, that changes you. That's provide, for sure. Like let's get a little more stability if we yeah. can, like stuff. So, so again, it's perspective and, and where you're at in your life. And we'd love to be here for a while. So hopefully that can happen. Yeah. We'll see what happens. So how does since how does this uh, you know FC rank on your? I mean, I know you're here and you got to say all the right things, but I'm just curious, you know. You freaking hate it here, man. (laughs) Well, you played for, you know, you didn't come here from like a a lower league. You know, you didn't come here from a team that wasn't great. I mean, Sacramento, like you said, has been at the forefront of MLS talk. They've been the, they've been the gold standard in USL before FC got here. I mean, you know, how does it, how does the future look for soccer in your eyes here in the city? And what do you think of the city? What do you, you know, have you had Skyline and, have you done yeah, all the, the local the classic stuff? Classic questions. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have had Skyline. I actually said this at an appearance uh, last week. Uh, we got asked the same question by somebody, and I said I have had it, and it. I don't know if it's a sin to say it here, but it wasn't very good. You know? <laughs> no, first, I'm not from here either. First time, I was. Uh, I was like, eh. What's yeah. the big deal? And I now think, I'm obsessed. My friend yeah. is from Scotland. So it was the same way. He was like, his buddies took him out, and he's like, this is okay. And then he became obsessed. So it, it, yeah. it was call an acquired taste, probably. I think I went straight to the toilet after it. <laughs> um, and then... You did it right then. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Um, the city's cool. Um, we're, we've been exploring it, and it's been fun. And I'm enjoying, you know, learning about the city. It's a, I'm a foodie kind of guy, so, like, it's a good foodie town. What are your, what are your favorite local spots? You've- we actually do cook a lot at home, but, like, I, I, I love, like, some of the brunch and uh, breakfast spots, like Sleepy Bee's cool. Um, I like I like non chain things. So like, there's a Django Western Tacos, which is out. We live out in Northside, so it's out there, which is which is pretty pretty good uh, tacos. Go down to OTR. There's some cool spots, you know, with that are all local and and, and good good food. So. Uh, like the you know like eagle what eagle yeah. Uh, yeah. come on crap food so in terms of like this? for you but like I've had it yeah. once but like great chicken <laughs> you don't see many players eating there I don't right think. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's I had that after one game and it was delicious I had to try it but like then you have Bakersfield which is another good tacos and stuff cool yeah. atmosphere 
Um, there's stuff like that. There's, there's places all over the city. Yeah, you're here at a cool time. It's, yeah, uh, and it seems it like wasn't it's always it, it wasn't like always this way. I like met Fiona. Yeah, I met Fiona. It was just it was cool. It's like she knew I was trying to get a picture with her. Like she just like posed perfectly. She like, knows, she, man. She she's <laughs> yep. pretty she's pretty with it in that sense. Um, yeah, like the Evans Adventures thing has been kind of a fun little uh, kickoff. Like just to, and, and, and towards the end, I might do one to get you know and let the fans know a couple of days prior and and have them join. I got to figure out what which one that's going to be. But yeah, just that's been fun, kind of getting out there and exploring a little bit. But yeah, and I think in terms of soccer here, I mean it's it's massive. I mean I've, I haven't even been here a full year yet, but you know being the goalkeeper for FC, you know you're kind of one that people look like you know you yeah. have a different jersey on like people know you. Sure. so but like it's, last it's, year it's I mean, crazy. It was, everything was you know revolved around mitch and mitch says no right right, right, right. that was a big thing with the bailey guys this year was oh man we got new goalkeepers what uh yeah. oh, we, let's get a chant going what's good what's this gonna say I, I, i'm kind of relieved that they didn't go that route or they yeah. didn't really force anything but like yeah the mitch says no stuff was ridiculous last year how much how much that yeah. blew up but and so yeah so you know you had some big shoes to fill well, just um, getting like in terms of already within a year people you know for, for for people to like recognize you in public you have to really like pay attention or like know the game or like follow right so i think it shows with this city how much this this team means the city and how much people like legit follow they don't just like know who the team is or like come to a game every now and again like people here like legit f- follow the team yeah yeah and like, which, which shows yeah. yeah which shows like <laughs> i mean throughout the year as time's gone like more and more like, get recognized in public and like people and you know it's crazy like i was at the barber shop two days ago getting this freaking buzz cut look <laughs> but i was at the barbershop and some guy just came up while i'm in the chair with a, with a thing and i was like hey can we get a picture you know like out of nowhere and uh, i mean it happens more frequently now or like i'll you know walk by some kids and they're like you know you see them whispering or whatever yeah and and that's not for me i'm saying like oh it is a cool I, i'm not gonna lie it's a cool thing right that people can notice you but i think for the city that it shows like how much this team matters and how many people really truly follow it yeah. yeah and it's a it's great for the city too because we've been so starved for like a winning team you know we have such great tradition with the reds and honestly even the Bengals. you know through all their ups and downs but you know for a team to be here and be the talk of the league that it's in is just so it's such a rare thing and for it to be new and I mean, soccer has always, you know, I grew up playing soccer. It wasn't like, you know, it's one of those cities where no one played soccer as a kid. Like, everybody around here played soccer as a kid. And now it's just the sport has has grown in popularity to the point where my age that, you know, know, I'm 41. So maybe, like, a little bit before me was when it really started becoming a sport kids in the country played. Now we're the parents. We're getting our kids in it. It's at an all-time high popularity and for Cincinnati to kind of be at the forefront in some regards, you know, especially for this season. I mean, this season's in, when's the last time you guys lost a game? I think it was like May or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's not just you're good. It's like it's unprecedented. Yeah, crushing. It's it's awesome, man. It's really cool. Yeah, it's as cool a to be fan. A, it's cool it's 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 cool um, to be a part of and it. It, it's funny, right? Like we have a, a very good team all around and 
but it's it's funny because we're we are we all want to like be such perfectionists and we want to do so well it's almost like like everyone around like we're in it right and we're like we don't even really realize because it's like we just take it game by game and you know we're wanting i don't want to say perfection but we have such high standards everybody in the locker room and there's so there's competition there's competitive drive and everyone else is like oh this is fairy tale like you're just winning whatever and that gets like this this you know and you guys are stressed and out you guys yeah, are it's like, it's like pressure is on you it's like Hello. you know like <laughs> and we're all over here like just competing you know and, yeah um it's it's funny how Man. the outlook from the different angles are are, are you know it's it's funny it's it's um because yeah we, we it's cool and we love it but at the same time we have a job and our job is to like get the we want to get this cup you know and yeah until that's over we're not celebrating, you but know? it's such an interesting, uh, uh, you know, soccer again is interesting in regards to like, you know, you look at the Reds or the Bengals, and you kind of get used to the starting lineup, you know, barring someone's injury or just playing awful. And soccer, it's like every game could be a different lineup, you know, with the, yeah. the how you match up with the other team, and you know, does that help you keep focused and being ready to go because you never know you know um well i i I mean alan you know i think as coaches too like alan's you know has his way right and 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 how he wants and he wants to have that competitiveness and he wants to have that you know healthy competition within the squad so keeping people on their toes keeping people fighting for, for for spots i think that comes from from the coach you know really i mean he could easily say these guys are playing every game but um, at the same time, you know, you have to manage. To manage a squad like ours is tough because you have all, all player, every guy on our team, one to 20-something, however many we have, can start on pretty much any team in this league, you know? Like, it's almost like we have... Yeah, and then a month before the, you know, and then all and, of a sudden you get two, like, guys from MLS come in, yeah, you get, like, in you, the middle of the season. Right, and, and you get... Two guys from MLS, another guy that's playing Serie A, you know, with Pa. Oh yeah. Um, but three guys that are here for MLS for for the future, you know, and, and so that adds more competition and more less opportunity for certain people. So there's there's a lot of competition going on, and, and, and so within the group, it's almost like competition. You, we're competing against ourselves almost yeah. more than we are the. It's the like you're team. on the Bachelorette. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know? like everyone's like, ah. <laughs> so I mean, it's and and. And we all, you know, it's, it's, but it's tough, it's tough to manage a group like that, you know, and, and we've been fortunate to be winning and, and stuff like that. Um, and so it's gone, you know, it's gone pretty well, but it could easily go different ways, but it's, it's, it's tough to, to manage guys that all should be playing, expect to be playing, want to be playing, you know, and, and are good enough to be playing, you know, keeping a team of those like egos too, keeping yeah. a whole team of that quality happy. It can be hard. Um, but but winning makes everything a little better, you know. So what is the um, what is it like to be on on this team? You know, with the kind of uncertainty of what happens at the next level. You know, it seems like when you know a team's going to be in the same level, same league. You know, you can kind of plan your future a little bit different. Is it is it the same way now with the move to MLS? Is I mean, have, are they talking to you about that kind of stuff, or is it? You just go out and play hard and hope you're... Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, it, it is. It's kind of like... I mean, obviously, everybody wants to make it as far as you can. 
in your career. I don't want to just say MLS because it could be higher for other people in sure. Europe or whatever, even myself. You never know what, what, what happens. It's, it's, it's the game's crazy like that. Your life can change in an instant. Is that a dream for you to play in Europe? Yeah, I would love to, man. I, um, I, you know, I'm not implying you're not happy here. No, I just, no, 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 you know, yeah, is I, that I, like, yeah, it's always, that's always know. been a dream of mine. I mean, I, I can, I, I, I'll say that like happily. I think anybody would probably yeah, say I think, that. I, I think most people would say that if you're, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not dreaming to be, and wanting to be at the highest level, then I don't think you're competitive. You know? For sure. I, I yeah. Think. But at the same time, like being MLS is, is something that a lot of us want, right? And we, and we love, most everybody on our team came here to, to, to compete and, and, and show what they can do and hopefully make the transition. So we'll see what happens and I'll leave all the other stuff up to my agent or whatever. And, <laughs> and But yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, with, with having a family and things like that, it, it can be a little bit uneasy if I'm to be completely transparent, you know, um, because you want to, you want to kind of, what's going on? Like where, where am of I going to be? I want to set a little bit. I want to make sure they're, they're okay. And, and so we'll see how that plays out. But, um, yeah, hof- hopefully it's positive. So as we wrap up here, first of all, how can people keep up with you? You're, you're a social media guy. So let them, <laughs> how can they find you? Yeah, you can, uh, you can find me on Instagram at fig newts. Big Newts. Love yeah, it. Right. Um, love it. You can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, Newton Evan 13 uh, That was my number at, at, uh, when I made the Twitter at, uh, at San Jose, yeah. And then Facebook's just my name, right? So, but yeah, man, uh, you can follow me there. And uh, and then obviously, um, I'd love, you know, grab some shirts before the month's over. Uh, I think they're selling pretty well and it's, and we're, yeah, raising, sure. and we're raising some decent money, especially for the first year doing it. And so, you know, the more, uh, proceeds go to the children's hospital. So, and I think we, uh, come to the store and you were kind enough to leave by some, uh, behind some signed eight by tens, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah we got, got those eight by 10 glossies, uh, autograph. Uh, we're going to put a certain amount online and then disperse the rest of our stores. Um, but yeah, hundred percent of those, I think we're selling it for 10 bucks. Uh, so buy one of those 10 bucks goes to, uh, the children's hospital. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we just got some, still got, well, we still have like half a month left. And yeah. We've already, we're just getting we've already, started. We're just getting started and it's already been some good progress. So hopefully we can really kick it up here to, to finish the month off and, and raise some good money and. And that'd be, it's for a great cause. So that'd be awesome. Yeah. And then the last thing we do is, um, Every every guest gets to pick a word that will be a twenty percent off coupon that people can use until our next episode comes out. So if you were gonna give us a word that would be a coupon for people to use, what word would that be? also if they you listen to if they listen yeah. to this and they say the word, it's like a it's they like, get twenty yeah, percent off in store or on our website. But they're not going to use it on your shirt because that's rude to yeah. <laughs> use a promo code on a charity shirt. Hey, you shouldn't. You shouldn't use promo codes on charities. <laughs> what um, if I want to buy one of our dumb shirts? I think um, I could be like really annoying and do like uh, anti-disestablishmentarianism <laughs> or something like that. We but, want people to use it, but yeah. I think I think I'm going to do. Give me a word. How about? <laughs> How about fruit snacks? Fruit snacks. I fruit love it. Snacks. Sorted. We'll do it as one or two words. So yeah. either one you want to do. 
for online. Yeah. Okay. So All type right. in fruit snacks and the coupon code on our website. Like uh, PF said, we'll put it in as two words or just one word without the space. So fruit snacks are next uh, for the next week. If you mention fruit snacks when you're in the store, you'll save 20% on your entire order. See, you made it. Yeah. You made a promo code. <laughs> and your makeup looks fantastic. Because you handed me pro- you handed me fruit snacks. Yes. Evan, thank you awesome. for uh, yeah, for so reaching much. out yeah. to us and uh, partnering with us for this awesome cause and uh, and for. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, jumping on board, and if uh, if I am here for a while, hopefully we can do plenty more. But thanks for having me. It's for sure, great. thanks, man. Awesome. It's our pleasure. We'll yeah. see you, man. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel. I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been to Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota, Wichita. Evan Newton, FC Cincinnati goalie. That was an inspiring chat, right? Pick up your Evan Newton Fight Childhood Cancer Tea as all the proceeds from that go to Children's Hospital here and their efforts in fighting that deadly disease. And if you haven't already, uh, go back and cherry-pick the Cincy Shirts archives because we have uh, episodes featuring Frank Marzullo, our old pal Duke Sinatra from the Gary Burbank Show. Uh, if you're more into the sports, you got Mo Egger, Cash Wright, Mike Mathis, and Johnny Bench. They've all been on the show. Uh, uh, the uh, Cincinnati Mohawks, we had some guys from the Junior Mohawks from back in the 50s and 60s. People have been downloading that episode a lot. And, of course, uh, Haunted Cincinnati and Abandoned Cincinnati, those have been two very popular episodes as well. So check all those out. Really just subscribe and then go back and listen to all of them in order on your way to work or when you're jogging or whatever you're doing. Today's show was produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. And you can find their music in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. You can find vintage tees from great cities like Cleveland, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Philadelphia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. We have a lot of soccer designs on there from uh, many of those cities, as well as Cincinnati, of course, at Cincy Shirts. Uh, not just FC Shirts, but, you know, soccer teams from Cincinnati in the past, indoor and outdoor, your silverbacks, comets, all those. And uh, so, yeah, in case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is Fruit Snacks, and that's one or two words. Evan's daughter tiptoed into the studio at the end there to help us pick out that code, and you can use that code to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Please try not to use it on Evan's charity shirt, you know, because, you know, it's a charity. But other than that, go nuts. Uh, You can also use the code in our physical stores, OTR, Hyde Park, and now Loveland. Follow us on our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for all the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye.
I said goodbye